Blog Talk Radio. Welcome you all back here on this Thursday. It is May 11th, 2017. Remembering to tell you the date because I never know where all of you are listening across time and across space, by the way, because I recently became aware of just how many of you are scattered about the world. And let me tell you, welcome, welcome. I so appreciate your presence here across place and across time because there are no real distances and time is an illusion. You are here with us energetically today. And in a moment, I will be bringing on the line quite a wonderful guest that I feel is very much aligned with the spirit of that message. And his name is Carl Greer. Many of you may be aware of Carl's work, and I know many of you are learning about it for the first time today. Carl is a best-selling author. He's a clinical psychologist. He's a shamanic practitioner and a union analyst, and he is going to talk about his new book, Change the Story of Your Health, Using Shamanic and union, I always have trouble saying that word, I swear, <laughs> techniques for healing. Carl is also the author of a book you may be aware of, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, and you may have become aware of him through that work. Carl is going to help us today to talk about healing and health and different ways of looking at that and how we can view our story and change it. And I know this is going to be helpful to every one of us, no matter what we are experiencing in life, no matter what our age. And we're going to be talking about age, too, and how we can age well. Um, I invite you to visit Carl's website, which is carlgreer.com. And he is in active practice, and he often holds workshops and works with individuals. So I am just so delighted to bring Carl Greer on the line. Welcome, Carl. Nice to be here, Susan. Well, it's very nice to have you here today. And I feel that you really bring to us 
some information in what in a way that may be new to many of us in this audience. And so I think right at the outset what I'd like to do, Carl, is have you define what it means to approach things in an energetic way and your own background and how you came to this work. Well, first, approaching things in an energetic way. Uh, Jungians and shamans believe that uh, we're part of a larger picture and at one level, we all came from energy and are energy and will return to energy. Yes. And so as we go through life, we encounter situations, people, environments that uh, affect our energy bodies uh, in good ways and in sometimes bad ways. And my work is based on the idea that we have more capacity to do our own self-healing than we think. And many of the practices do involve connecting with healing energies, which we all have access to. So that's how I think about uh, energy in a, a nutshell. In terms of my own background, I uh, grew up in the uh, Midwest, uh my parents were, uh, uh, you know, working people. Uh, I was uh, thinking I would just do what the men in my family had done and uh, work in uh, the steel industry where my dad had worked and, and other relatives. And I uh, worked there in the summers, but then I ended up going to college and going on to school and uh, ended up being a businessman in Chicago for a while. And then uh, mid-stream, uh, I decided I wanted to uh, become a psychologist and then a Jungian analyst and then uh, do shamanic work. And uh, so now I'm at the later stages of my life and I'm trying to give back where I can philanthropically and also through writing and workshops. And uh, my teaching is basically, Susan, to have people have the ability to bring their spiritual practices into their everyday life in meaningful ways, both uh, uh, in terms of health and also in terms of my first book, uh, all the chapters of your life, uh, including health, but also including things like your jobs, your psychology, your relationships, and so forth. Yes, yes. You know, something that comes to me right at the outset here, because I know that on Blog Talk Radio, we're reaching out to people from many backgrounds. And I'm going to say something that just came to me from my own background. Um, although I didn't grow up exactly in the practice, there are a number, there is a strong line of charismatic Christianity in my family. And part of that involves expanded awareness in a different way, totally. And there are people listening today out there. I know you're out there, and you're part of this belief system. And something I want to say is don't be concerned about this word shamanic. I'd like you to reflect upon this 
based on some of your own experiences and don't get tied up with labels because sometimes when we come from that background, labels, you know, we, we have assumptions about them and things. And, and I'm beginning to believe, Carl, and this is, I won't get too much into this topic, but there is a form of shamanism there without even using that label, which may feel a little threatening to some people because it's amazing how we can connect. Absolutely, and uh, I think uh, uh, charismatic uh, Christianity has its ways, music, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. dance, movement, to connect to the, uh, to the unknown, to the God energy. Yes. And uh, that's exactly what uh, shamans are trying to do uh, with some of their practices, journey work, uh, spending time in nature. Uh, and it's to be able to honor those bigger energies, but also to get information and energy from them so that one's everyday life can be enriched because of that encounter. And uh, yeah. so whether or not it's a charismatic Christian or a yoga practitioner or somebody's doing transcendental meditation uh, or, uh, or dance, these are all ways to connect to, uh, to the other uh, in, in respectful ways that can also help us, I believe. Yes, yes. And, and I'd like to invite the broader audience out there, wherever you are in the world as well, to approach what we're going to talk about from your perception of God, of spirit, however you label that to be. So, so Carl, let's start out by talking about this notion of healing and health and our stories and how we can work with our stories. Well, there's many ways to get into something. And some people say, for example, in uh, psychology, it doesn't really make any difference what you first bring into your first session because you always get to where you you need to get. And it's a little the same uh, about health. Uh, If you have the intent to somehow improve your health from where it is. But having said that, one place that I like to start is for people to be very honest with themselves as to what the truth is about their health story, not the truth they want others to see, but, you know, in their heart of hearts, what is the truth? And I have some exercises that I suggest people can use to uh, to um, write about that. For example, uh, your, your truth about what you eat and drink and how that affects you. The truth about uh, your exercise, your balance, your stamina, your flexibility, your strength. Your truth about how you're aging and your self-image. You're going through menopause, your andropause, and, and how is that working for you? And the truth about how you manage chronic diseases. Let's say you have cancer. Let's say you have diabetes. Let's say you have fibromyalgia. Uh, and how you handle acute things that come up. So these would all be chapters that somebody could reflect on. And if they're honest, they say, well, this is this is working for me, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing this connects to that. And, uh, gee, as I write about this, I see that uh, 
maybe I've been influenced by my family belief that all of us uh, men, by the time we're 60, uh, if we're not dead, we've had a heart attack, and I probably will too, or uh, Mm -hmm. an alternative belief in a family might be, look, uh, we don't believe in going to doctors or taking medicine, and uh, uh, it doesn't uh, really help, and so on and so forth. So you start to identify what your beliefs are, what is, and then, Susan, you're in a position to say, all right, what would you like it to be? And once you've put that on, then you'd be able to ask yourself, well, why isn't my health the way I would like it to be? And my belief about that is often it's because there's part of us that don't want it for inexplicable reasons to be different than it is. And the expanded awareness practices that I talk about, spending time in nature, working with our dreams, doing journey work to go to these transpersonal, unconscious places where people, by the way, can reach through prayer. Uh, There, one can gain information and energy to make changes to help us get from our existing health story to our new health story. But the starting point is, what really is your truth? And then, do you want to change it? And then, why haven't you been able to? And here's some tools, which I suggest, and I go over those in my book, that one can use to go from the old story to the new story. Yes, yes. You know, something I noted, I actually quoted it exactly from your book, was you do not have to participate in a story written by someone else. And as you said just now, that is so important. Because it seems like so often people are thrusting stories onto us, you know, or they're just embedded in our psyches. Um, we've, in my family alone and just among friends, we've had so many experiences in my own life where someone has tried to say, you know, some negative, very, very negative story, and it turned out not to be true, or, you know, we somehow transcended that story and yes and, yes yes and and it happens a lot in when it comes to medical um diagnoses and just health in general like you know I'm in my early 50s I'll tell you and and I'll even honestly share I don't know how you figured this out time wise but I'm almost to the end I'm getting close to the end of that year whatever that year is called in menopause I'll put that out mm-hmm. because I know a lot of women are are going through this with me, and it's so weird, Carl. I have purposely not learned all the stories. It's like mm-hmm. it's like I almost don't want to know, you know, because when I hear mm-hmm. the stories about menopause, then suddenly I start living some other experience, and really I'm having quite a positive experience with it, and I'm I'm relieved. Um, so so this notion of 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 embracing a story that's not your own, that is so important and and finding what your own story is. No, it it it, it surely is and uh just in the example that you gave Susan about uh-huh. finishing up uh uh this you know met- menopause for you and going back to what you said about uh our energy people in the beginning of our of our talk. Um uh, one of the things that uh, has helped some people uh, is realize that all processes in our bodies 
have information for us and have a certain wisdom, and uh, they are unique to us. And I talk about a process in my book called Dialoguing, where I would have somebody, for example, you in this case with menopause, have a conversation uh-huh. with your menopause. What what can you tell me about what's going on for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Menopause and let the, and let the menopause speak, and then you can ask it questions, and it can it can converse with you. And it's amazing when people get beyond the self consciousness of that, and and start to say, hey, our symptoms, what's going on in our bodies, do have a wisdom that it's possible for us to check in with. And similarly. I believe we all have a, uh, a inner healer, some aspect of ourselves that wants us to be whole and healed, that we also can communicate to get information and energy for change if we were to respectfully have that conversation. So menopause is a, a beautiful example of something that women go through that can inform them in a ongoing way. Yes. You know, I have to find, and this again is for women out there, and I think this may apply in general to some other things. When it comes to the natural processes that we go through, it seemed that my biggest challenge at one point was just surrendering to the change. It's like like <laughs> um, it was earlier in the process. Um And now that I'm in it the way that I am, it's sort of like, oh, okay, you know, this is where I am. But there's that that transitional phase, and I want to talk about that because I know that comes up constantly in life. Yes. It's, you know, how you embrace that part where, oh, you know, this is happening. And even when it's something predicted, and it can also happen with an unexpected thing that happens to you is, you know, how you you accept that reality. I was in a car accident many years ago and had an injury, for example. So, you know, I relate to that. There's a kind of surrender there, like, wait a second, you know, where am I here? <laughs> you know. Yes, yes, yes. So, so yes, okay, I'll, I'll let you flow with that. <laughs> well, things happen to us, and... Uh, yes. Uh, you can't deny the, the, the fact. I mean, things in our past uh, are real, but how they live within us on a continuing way, we do have some control over that. And uh, people who do psychological work or shamanic work, one of the the goals is to uh, have our pasts live within us differently than perhaps they have so that we have more freedom of action to make choices in the present. And There's another way of thinking uh, uh, that shamans and Jungians would have, that uh, we have choices as to what future from this point forward in our lives we're going to choose. And there are some futures that are probably better for us than others, better as defined between we and God, we and spirit, we and the creative energy, however we, we talk about that. And if we can hook on to those, that new destiny path can also impact the way in which we make choices in the present. So the goal is really to be as free as we can from our past, both for our health and other aspects of our evolving stories, but also to be locked into a more desirable future so that in the present, and that's all we really have a present to make choices in, we're making choices that are more soulful 
and more reflective of what truly is best for us in spirit in this lifetime. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I have one more question I want to ask um, with regards to our perception and our optimism. Then I'd like to get into some deeper details in, about energy in general. But the question I have is when you think about your story, I have to tell you, my experience has been that I would never in a million years have expected in my early 50s, because I get out into nature, I really feel that's part of it, and there are other things that I do that help me to heal or help me to to navigate, although it's not perfect. I'm, I, there are certainly things. But the thing is, is sometimes it seems like you know, we're t- again, we're embracing this story. There's no way I could feel like I have more energy in my early 50s than I did in my 20s. And mm. yet I have to tell you, it it's sometimes better than we think. And I'm not saying it isn't perfect. I've got, I, or it isn't perfect. Maybe it is perfect. I mean, we all have, I have my complaints, you know, I don't know if I should use that word, but I mean, I have my health things that I, deal with but in terms of energy and stamina especially from nature it seems like sometimes we really do limit ourselves there's these stories that say you know there's no way you know i've tried to tell it to my son who's in college and i tell him i say you know i feel i feel better than i've felt in many other times of my life right now and and so, and you know, of course that makes him happy although i think he kind of wonders wow how can that be so so anyway, um so so what if we could be even like even better this is in your your book you know, even better than the story that we think might even be possible. How do we expand beyond that limit and think you know what, it really can be better? I I believe that a hundred percent it can be better. It's it's interesting. You're you're talking about perceptions of uh aging and uh there's been some, you know, studies of people who Maybe you're in their 50s and early 60s, and they're thinking about uh, what's it like to be 75, 80. And a lot yeah. of them would say, "Gee, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna have good energy. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna start losing my mind. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I'm gonna, uh-huh. gonna lose my, my, my sex drive. Uh, uh, you know, lots of, lots of negative things. And yet, when you uh, really talk to people that are 75 to 80. Many of them are saying what you're saying. Gee, I'm really happy. I, I do have a lot of vitality. Wow. I do have a lot of energy. I'm really enjoying life, and I haven't. Uh, I don't have dementia. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, in part, uh, it's surviving to get there. But also, uh, it, it's it's not as we believe when we're younger. I think it's very possible to have a a very whole healthy life, even if realistically we're constrained uh, as to uh, some of the things that we could do in our 30s that we can't do in our yeah. 70s uh, and 80s. Yeah, and and thank you. You're helping me with the limitation because here I was, you know, it's so funny. After I said what I said, I think, you know, you feel like you're on a roll, but when are you going to hit the wall, right? <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, we don't have to, we keep setting up these 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 things in the future like well you know who knows what it'll be like then but but look at how optimistic you can be 
And, and you're right. We do have our things. Like, you know, my knees bother me more than they used to, and different things happen. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. You just kind of incorporate and I would hope, you know, I don't necessarily want to accept the story. I may have to do some dialoguing. I know many of the audience out there have different parts of their body they might want to do some dialoguing with those things that that kind of crop up. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, let's talk about energy because I really would like to explore um, expanded awareness and energy a bit more. Well. The expanded awareness practices that I talk about in my book are to uh, get us relating to what I call transpersonal realms or things that uh, affect all of us. In Jungian psychology, one of those such realms would be the collective unconscious. And those who are familiar with Carl Jung knew he wrote about the archetypes and the collective unconscious. And he had the belief that we live in a world where there are energies called archetypes that influence how we think, act, and feel. These are energies. For example, there's the uh, uh, the warrior archetype. You know, the man or a woman who uh, uh, has cancer in there, in the grips of I'm going to beat this. I'm the warrior. I'm going to, you know, really uh, defeat it. Uh, and yet yeah. they may go through life like that in other ways, too. They're always I- 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 battling. And that sometimes serves us well, but sometimes not. And so the trick is to know what energies uh, to be c- connected with. And it's hard to sometimes disconnect. And which ones yeah. to, uh, uh, to to discard, which ones to seek. I mean, another energy would be the uh, uh, energy of the the mother, the nurturing energy, and this can be a, a nurturing maternal energy that a man or a woman could have that can be very uh, uh, healing. And uh, certainly if you're the recipient of maternal energy, that could be great. But if the person giving it is giving all of their energy to others and none for themselves, they're not taking care of themselves, then that's not good. So when one starts to think about how one is in the world, what roles we have and uh, how we are with ourselves and with others in a more reflective way, then you have a chance to pause and say, hey, is this at this point in my life really working for me? Uh, are these energies that I've been living uh, under the thrall of still serving me the way they used to? And if they're not, how might I find new energies? And I talk about through journey work again to uh, connect with new energies that may be more healthy and healing for us. Uh, to your question, how does energy and healing uh, work, getting back to that again, there's a lot of evidence that uh, within our our bodies uh, it is all energy and that our thoughts uh, affect our emotions, our emotions affect our chemistry, our emotions affect our thoughts, our beliefs and emotions, thoughts are all connected, affect our uh, endocrine system, our hormones, our neurotransmitters, our cardiovascular system, our liver, our kidneys, you know, everything. So everything's connected to everything else. And if we can have a more holistic healing whole, you know, we're all put together and we're not as fragmented, that in and of itself can improve our immune system and make us healthier. And yeah. practices to do that are, 
being in nature, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, working with nature intentionally. Uh, I talk about uh, uh, opening sacred space in my book and basically calling the energies of the emanations of spirit to work with us in an intentional way. It would be like a prayer to uh, work with us. And just that process, it's just like if a person is praying or meditating, that can be a calming practice in and of itself. And the energetic evidence is that as we go from a, a more excited state where the sympathetic nervous system is controlling us to where the parasympathetic nervous system is more in play, the brain waves go down, the immune system is uh, stimulated in a positive way, we have less of the stress hormones like cortisol or adrenaline coursing through us. So just the preparatory practices, Susan, for uh, getting ready to do expanded awareness work in and of itself can be, can be healing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what about the chakras? Um, what, what about understanding the energy centers in the body? I mean, we've heard, I know that you explore that as well, and many, many have, certainly, um, in understanding of healing. Um, how can, especially, you know, there may be those in this audience today who, who don't really have familiarity with those, those concepts. Well, some see us as having uh, simultaneously an energy body, a uh, spiritual body, a psychological body, and a physical body. And there's other traditions that would have even more than that, but let's just take those for a while. Uh, so your energetic body kind of envelops uh, the other bodies, uh, and that uh, is your connection to spirit. And that body... Uh, has in it the questions and the answers to questions such as, where was I before I was here? Uh, Why am I here? Uh, What am I? Who am I? And where will I be when I'm no longer in this existence? And so we came from the one uh, before the Big Bang. There was nothing pure potential. And then from that pure potential, we had the Big Bang, and we've had, you know, galaxies and stars, and here we are in one planet 13 and a half billion years later talking about these things, but we all came from the one. Uh, we all came from the source. So the source is within us. That's when they say, you know, the, the one is in the many and the many in the one. And yeah, so there's yeah. these various emanations of the source. We are humans, but the rocks are emanations. The animals are emanations. Uh, the unseen worlds are emanations. The other stars and whatever life is out in the universe are emanations. And so uh, my view, and I think it is compatible with uh, many other spiritual traditions, is that all of these connections at one level uh, are all connected and they all have a certain awareness and they all have a certain intelligence that we can learn from and also give to. So it's a reciprocal relationship. And as we start to think about life in this reciprocity uh, perspective, it allows us to both be healed but also be uh, healers. And uh, so these 
ways of thinking about our energy bodies like that, then they influence our spiritual bodies, which would be, you know, uh, what's our soul's purpose? What's our soul? How does that? Imp- are, are we are we happy in our in our calling in this lifetime? You know, if you believe in reincarnation, are we uh, living out our ca- karma in a, a in an elegant way? And the way that energy body influences the spiritual body also has impacts on the psychological body, our moods, our depressions, our anxieties, which also have impacts on our physical bodies. But it goes the other way too. Our physical bodies can affect our moods, and our moods can affect our spiritual practices, and our spiritual practices can affect our energetic bodies. Uh, I mentioned the chakras just because they're uh, centers that are connected to this bigger, more enveloping energy body that uh, many traditions have worked with. Uh, They're uh, akin to some of the meridians and the work done in uh, Chinese medicine through acupuncture. And I'm suggesting some ways that people can work with those chakras to to cleanse them, to reinform them uh, uh, so that our energy bodies are healthier. And all these practices are designed to help our energy bodies, but then they would help our spiritual bodies, our psychological bodies, and our physical bodies. Yes, yes. You know, as you said at the beginning just a moment ago, a lot of this really does have to do, it's amazing how much we share in terms of, you know, I was taught years ago in the omnipresence of the divine. You know, that means everywhere. And, and you know, if we can just find ourselves back to those those core principles, many of us share that. And and that impacts very much so our relationship with our health and and our opportunity to heal. It does, and, and we see that we're part of a larger picture. That there is life and death, and that uh, you know we're we're finite, and uh, you know we go through various transformations: uh, painful, sad, joyful, and as we uh, you know reach uh, to the latter stages. I mean, you're uh, early 50s. I'm. Uh, I'll be 77 in June. So I'm in a little different uh, generation, a little different phase in uh-huh. uh, in my life. Uh, but I share, as you said, uh, in, in many ways, I feel as good as I ever have. Uh, I have uh, prostate cancer, but uh, it's under control. And uh, I have other age-related things, but I feel blessed and uh, healthy and uh, and and happy. Yes, yes. Well, that gives optimism to to all of us. It's like at every at every stage because and and in fact, okay, let's look at this. You say you have cancer that's that's under control, and one of the things that so many people deal with, and and we've all been touched with this, either ourselves or or in our families, but certainly with friends, is um, how how we choose to navigate through that kind of a diagnosis. And, you know, you mentioned um, the warrior archetype, for example. There is this culture right now that didn't used to be there quite in the same way. It's sort of the warrior culture. In fact, they even use that word, warrior, you know, cancer warriors. And I know that there are people out there feeling that way, that fight, fight, fight um, concept. And yet there seem to be other ways of approaching it, too. And I guess... My question here, because this can be, it can be a baffling process. I mean, there's no question that 
um, just just coming to an approach that works for an individual person, and that may integrate many different approaches. Um, and, and how do people begin to navigate towards this, and how does that relate to this concept of the story and dialoguing and journaling and finding one's way to where you seem to be, it sounds like you've found a way to navigate with this diagnosis. You've, you are working with it. There's a trust, I think, Susan, that people get. They kind of they, they start to trust their gut. They trust their intuition, and they uh-huh. start to know that uh, you know this is true for me. Uh, but they may be taking kicking and screaming to that realization. I was on a radio show, uh, I don't know, maybe two months ago, and the host was sharing that uh, she too had had cancer. And uh, and she had uh, worked with the cancer and had a conversation with it. And the cancer told her that what she was asking, what do you want from me? And the cancer said, I want you to love me. And she really had a visceral negative reaction to that. She did not want to do that. She thought that if if I love the cancer, it's going to grow. And yet that's what, for her, the cancer wanted. And she finally found out in her unique way what that meant, uh, which is a longer story. Uh, And the cancer went into remission. Now, you can never say with this kind of work or energy work, because there's really no good double-blind studies, that what we do, uh, 100% is the reason for the cure. All you know is that you had something, you do some work, and maybe the symptoms ameliorate or you don't have them anymore. Uh, And it could be because of what you did, uh, the energetic work you do, the shamanic shamanic, uh, uh, Jungian work, uh, or maybe something else happened, or maybe it would have gone away just on its own. You don't know that. All you know is you did some stuff, and it's, it's better. So for her, it was like that. But somebody else might have worked with the cancer and seen it as an adversary, you know, something that yeah. needs to be yeah. obliterated, and I'm going to fight it. I'm going to do everything I can to fight it. And yeah. to your point, it's all individualistic. There's not one right yeah. and one wrong. Uh, you know, one, one visualization, you know, I've worked with people where they visualize their immune system kind of attacking and destroying the, the tumors or the cancer cells. Uh, and somebody else may have a, a completely different visualization that that uh, they're called to do from their intuition that also works for them. Yes, yes, that's so important because I think we have all fallen into this situation of projecting whatever our perception is to somebody else, and that's yep. really easy to do, especially within that culture. I actually have a family member who had cancer and had people really kind of bullying um, her at the time to to go a certain approach that she chose not to, and and she's you know a survivor many many years later, and and the approach that she took was the right one for her, and yes. I think um, you really convey that in an important way because you know when you think about this energetically, and I'll put this back to you in the form of a question: if you are say you you take on an approach that doesn't resonate with you that you know in your heart is going to fail you know or you know you just can't I, I you haven't you just have that gut feeling that this is not right for you 
I mean, that in itself could impact the outcome. Yes, it can. And uh, if it's not right for you, uh, then you you don't want to do it. And uh, <laughs> going back to the the the, the president of uh, you know the, the premise of my book is uh, uh, we increasingly are in an age of uh, information overload. I mean, there's so many yeah. things written about health and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Uh, just the healthcare system. There's so many experts. You know, there's yeah. there's very few people that just have a family doctor that they use for everything. The family doctor refers them to this expert, who may refer them to this sub-expert. So we're we're just uh, inundated with uh, you know what supplements you should have, what treatments you should take, uh, what you should eat, how you should exercise. Do you want to do high intensity exercise or you know low you know slow and steady, etc. Uh, etc. Et and I'd say, amongst all that information, some of it's really valid and good. But there's another source of information, and that is living within us and honestly living in the natural world that we can access if we learn some of these techniques and practices that can be very healing and helps us decide amongst all this competing other information what to do. It doesn't mean we should give up our Western doctors at all. It just means we should be discerning as to what path we go down and trust ourselves to have more of an input in it than perhaps up until now we thought that we could. Yes, yes. You know, another area we haven't talked about too much yet, yet impacts a lot of people, and um, certainly I, I can say that I'm within that group being impacted is our relationship with our diet and what we eat and also these habits. There's a there's a little chapter in your book about denial <laughs> denial and small small changes, I think or small choices. That that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yes. and just that whole concept of um of how we sabotage ourselves sometimes i I go through this constantly um and and how and I'm using that word myself, but just how do we work with ourselves using these techniques to get to a more healthy place um diet wise well well part of the the practice is to learn to be self reflective and more self aware Again, starting, what is your story? What do you do? What are your habits? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the shaman way is, uh, uh, shamans talk about stalking. Uh, it's not to, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's really to see what is without judging it and not being so down on yourself when you really yeah, say, oh, yeah, I, I do this, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a horrible person, you know, I shouldn't have done this, that, and the other. But just say, uh-huh. no, this is what it is. Now that other more, Reflective parts. Okay, do I want to keep doing it or not? Uh, yeah. And yeah. you're probably doing it because there's some payoff from it. Uh, and can you somehow maybe not do that and also get a better long-term payoff and even maybe a, an equivalent short-term payoff by doing something else? I was working uh, with a bunch of doctors uh, who were interested in integrative medicine, and uh, you know they, you know, I think it's a very robust. Uh, uh, field, you know, where where you're looking at uh, uh, diet and supplements and meditation and uh, 
exercise as as very important parts of uh, anybody's health above and beyond just surgery and uh, medication. Uh, but when these doctors were being very honest with themselves, how often do they kind of fall off the wagon, they get home and, you know, they're tired and they got 17 things going on and, you know, that ice cream and cake might be a, a, a good comfort food. Or, you know, you have a drink or two of wine and maybe you have the third one and you're kind of letting down. Uh, and, and nothing... Uh, in most cases, in, in, in moderation, is going to, you know, be long-term damaging. But sometimes uh, we, we have these crutches that we become unaware of, even though we're experts in the field. Yeah. And yeah. Just, to, just to be a little bit aware and know that we have other choices, uh, in terms of diet, the, you know, the evidence uh, can be boiled down pretty much, you know, eat real food, you know, not stuff that's, you know, too processed, not too much of it, and mostly plants. Uh, now, there's variations on that for different, you know, conditions, but you're not going to go too wrong with that kind of a, an admonition. And I say that as a guy who grew up with uh, grandmothers who loved to have their grandson eat, you know, meat and potatoes and gravy and, you know, <laughs> uh, sticky bun rolls and pies. And, and it's uh-huh. hard. I mean, that's part of my, I, I like that kind of food. And now to be doing what I just said, you, you know, not too much and eat uh mostly plants and, uh, you know, it, but it's not impossible is what I'm saying, Susan. I, I, I eat a lot differently uh, for a lot of reasons now than I did uh, when I was younger. Yeah, and, and I feel yeah. better, for, and I feel, frankly, feel better for it. You know, I think for many of us, portions is one thing. And, you know, I, I guess one of the kinds of dialoguing I've done with myself, even naturally, is sort of like after I eat too much, and we can all say this you know you eat too much how do you feel you don't really feel good you don't feel good and if you just start looking at that I mean and maybe some of us naturally are doing some of this dialoguing without even realizing it because that's an area where I realized I just suddenly had this realization one day you know slow down (laughs) slow down and because you're not going to feel good if you eat the, you know, you go to a restaurant and, and then you start to think, you know what, I would really enjoy this meal tomorrow. That's another thing that, and I didn't read that in any book. I just started thinking mm. that, that yeah, yeah. Oh, this is really good. And boy, I would like to have this left over <laughs> yeah. instead yeah. of, you know, not feeling well after I eat way too much of it. And I yeah. didn't always yeah, no, do this successfully, <laughs> but I'm getting there. But somehow you had a process with yourself that allowed you to start to envision and maybe in some cases make some changes compared to what you otherwise would have done. And yes. that's so important. And that's, you know, what I hope people who read my book will at least start to experiment with. Yes, yes, because I saw immediate parallels with the dialogue. And there's so much more that we can do with that. And the many, and, and these practices, and I I have only begun to explore because this is a book that you spend a lot of time with. You, it's, it's a very helpful, in-depth book. It has many, many practices in it. And um, there there is so much that we can be doing. And it gives us a resource. Um, there was another area I wanted to touch upon. How we do we're, the, the hour is going by quickly, but you know you talk about nature. But another area you talk about more than once is the arts, 
And I did want to touch upon that briefly with you, Carl, is where the arts um, can play a role, our own creativity, however we express that, how that can play a role in our healing story. Well, they talk about uh, terms like uh, things are uh, uh, diagnostic and prognostic. And in, in writing one's health story, uh, I suggest rather than just simply do it in, in words, which I think is a good starting point, but also use the uh, other part of your brain, the right brain, the more creative part, and uh, and ask yourself, you know, if you had a poem to describe your current health story, what would the poem be? Or a song or a sound or a color or an animal. You know, draw your current health story. And this gives you just another detached view of it that may give you an insight that you didn't have before that is an impetus to change. And similarly, you can use the arts to express your desired new health story. What would that look like? For example, uh, dance your health story. Say, what, what do you mean dance your health story? Just with that uh, instruction, uh, remembering that in energy work, energy follows intent, intent to dance your health story. So what does it look like? Is it fluid or is it kind of a little constricted? Is it is it uh, inhibited? Is it uh, uh, open? Is it free? Whatever. And then dance your desired health story. What would that look like? And the body has a wisdom of its own, which we've been talking about, that can reflect that wisdom to our conscious mind so we can start to understand it. And as all these things, as I said earlier, are connected to each other, uh, by expressing our health story through the arts, our desired story, our actual story, we start to put steps in motion that can facilitate transformation and change. Yeah. We unblock things. Yes, and and isn't that an important way of saying that we unblock things? You know, when I when I think about story, when I think of of what you're sharing with us, I I think about flow. Just you know, um, everything you have to say, so much of it has to do with flow, and yes. and not setting all these limitations, and and it it's so easy to to block ourselves, I guess, you know, and, and, and I hate to even say it that way because then suddenly that becomes a blockage. Um, and, and you know, we, it, it's, it's about flow. And, and um, so I guess we only have a few more minutes left. And, you know, like I said, there is such a wealth of material here I think what I'm going to do, Carl, is give you the opportunity because I don't know that I've – I'm sure there are areas I haven't touched upon here and give you the opportunity to use a few minutes here um, to to just leave a final impression with everyone with, with what we can do with these techniques and also make sure people know once again where to, to find your book. Well, to the last point uh, – you know, again, as you mentioned, my website is com. I have uh, 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 one exercise that uh, you can download for free. It's a, uh, healing with the help of nature. Uh, and 
You're welcome to sign up for my newsletters, and I have blogs that come out. My book is available in some independent bookstores and certainly on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. My uh, publisher is Finhorn. Uh, and one of the goals of that I would hope somebody reading my book, just back to your point of flow, Susan, yeah. would be that uh, whatever uh, effortfulness uh, you're putting into your life and your health story, it becomes less effortful and uh, and more yeah. free and more easy and more yeah. flowing. And uh, the practices and the time we have, I, I can't really talk about uh, uh, them in detail, but I have a, a journey to the lower world where you can find out some of the past things that happened to you and things to do about it that are influencing your current health story. I go to the upper world in the future that if you don't make changes, what's your health story going to look like and what are some things you could give up and uh, gain uh, and you would have this revealed to you in this journey that would make the otherwise health story that you're going to have in five, six, ten years, whatever period you go out, be different. And then I go to this place in a journey before creation uh, uh, to see uh, this place of pure potential, uh, what that can tell you about your health story and how you might change it. And then I go, I journey to death. What needs yeah. to die while you're alive in order to have a more vibrant health story today? And other other work, I, I work with a power animal, and then I work with uh, with uh, elements in nature. But just one takeaway for people, if you have one thing that uh, you could do for yourself, spend some time in nature. You know, be among pine trees if you can find them. Be around uh, water. Just the the blue green of uh, of water is very healing. There's a lot of evidence that pine trees they uh, exude a, a chemical that influences our immune systems positively and reduces our stress uh, hormones. Uh, so just spending time in nature, get a, fi- a favorite spot uh, if it's warm enough and you can. Just lie down in the grass, lie down under a tree. Uh, it uh, it, it it just recalibrates you in a way that's very very healing. Yes, yes, yes. I I can certainly attest to that, and I know that we haven't, and we still have a couple more minutes. But you know, one area we haven't talked well, we've talked about it a little bit, but you know, just um, you know, one psychological state of well being. I mean, it, it's that alone, nature. It's just an incredible gift to us all. I mean, I feel that um, so many times in our culture today, we we react very quickly to to things that are happening in our lives. And if we could only just get out into nature, just get out there, it it does make a difference. And it's you know. Um, it can be very miraculous, too, no matter how you view that, whether you want to say it's magical or miraculous, um, whatever a person's spiritual path is into that, uh, there is something truly miraculous about getting into nature that the more you're out there, you see it. Uh, I think that's a, a appropriate word. It is we live in a world of, of, of miracles all around us, and nature yeah. helps us uh, uh, experience them. But we are part of the natural world. We are part of nature. And to recognize that and to be one with it in 
in in some ways it can be healing at so many levels yes yes very much so um well you know there was only you know what i've got about we still have a couple minutes and so I have one more question for you, and I don't know if you can address it in the time we have, but we haven't talked about this. Um, dreams. Just a little bit about dreams, if you can, um, very briefly. Um, what about our dreams, Paul? Well, pay, well first of all, uh, pay attention to them. Uh, write them down uh, when you have them. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, 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 associate, you know, kind of what what does this mean for me? Some of these images, and then uh, uh, how might these images be applying to me in my current life? Uh, how about my past? Uh, uh, so you're trying to get a decoded message from your unconscious that your consciousness can understand, and as it relates to health. Uh, you may set an intent, you know, let me have a dream, dream maker, that would give uh-huh. me some insights into my current health. And then uh, it would be up to you to uh, decode it. But one of the tools you can use to decode it is this dialoguing, you know, thing. gee, there was a little leprechaun that I dreamt about. Uh, ask it, why did you come? What, what, what message do you have for me? What do you want from me? What can I give to you? Uh, and, and that conversation can open things up to give you insights that you otherwise wouldn't have had had you not done that kind of work. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so much to explore here. I'm glad we got to touch upon that, too. And now we really are um, getting close to the end of the show, and so the time has come to thank you, Carl, for coming on, and thank you for exploring so many different aspects. It was kind of like a grab bag of topics today, just uh, things, <laughs> and and really helpful. And and I know people can go in much more depth with these practices in your book. So um, thank you so much for being here today. I'm honored and delighted to have you here. Well, I enjoyed our conversation very much, Susan. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, and and you. Um, hopefully, you'll get out and enjoy nature, or um, enjoy enjoy the rest of your day. So, so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Okay, take care. You too. Bye. 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 And I want to send a thank you out to the live audience. Thank you for being here with us today. Um, The next scheduled live show, I believe, is two weeks from today, but we'll probably add one in the mix. Um, I've been working. It seems like this show has its its surges where it comes in waves, and I have several at once. And then we have a little um, relaxed period, and I'm actually finding that's working quite well for the audience. Um, And, you know, it'll have... It's times of being very active, and then I think you all have some time to catch up on the archive because I've been noticing that, and I really appreciate that, especially those of you throughout the world. I am just um, so grateful. I know you're listening out there in South America, for example. Lots of countries in South America. We have scattered listeners out there, and it doesn't matter um, you know, where you are, um, We are all connecting, and I hope that you can connect to these topics in your own way, wherever you are in the world. And 
So thank you, everyone, for being here. You can learn more about this show at FrontierBeyondFear.com. And again, our guest site is CarlGreer.com, and I really invite you to explore his books that you can learn about on that site. And also, as he has some free material there for you. So thank you again, everyone. I will see you next time. Take care. Thank you.